Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about how that song that's stuck in your head could be helping your memory, the first experimental evidence for how auroras are created, and why you should not give your cat milk. Let's satisfy some curiosity. So no one told you life was going to be this way, but catchy songs will get stuck in your head time after time. We call them earworms, and what a wicked game they play. But earworms aren't just background noise. That earworm digging into your brain might actually be doing a good thing. It might help you solidify long-term memories. When you think about a song, it can have the power to take you back to childhood, or a past relationship, or even just a simple moment that somehow became entwined with it. The relationship between music and memory is one that we all intrinsically understand, but academically, it's not well understood at all. Well, recently, a group of researchers at UC Davis explored whether there's a functional purpose to the way that music is linked to memories, or if it's all just dust in the wind. The researchers performed three experiments, each with around 30 participants. The experiments all involved participants listening to clips of music they had never heard before while doing various tasks. One week later, the participants came back and watched unfamiliar movie clips with those same songs as the soundtrack. And they were also asked which songs they felt were the catchiest. The researchers found that the catchiest songs were better than the others at helping participants accurately recall details from the movies. When they listened to these catchy songs, their ability to recall the movie details was just as accurate one week later as it was the day after watching the movie clip. On top of that, most participants were able to easily recall other tasks they were doing later when the songs were stuck in their heads. The researchers think that those songs that play in your head while you're lying in bed trying to sleep are actually a big part of how your brain commits experiences to your long-term memory all alone in the moonlight. They hope that they might one day be able to apply this knowledge to the development of treatments for people that suffer from dementia and other memory-related disorders. When a song is stuck in your head, you might have 99 problems, but memory ain't one. Humans have been in awe of the aurora for thousands of years. These mostly green and red shimmering lights can fill the night sky in many far northern and far southern regions. But now, scientists are one step closer to understanding the aurora's unique appearance. They have the first experimental evidence for why auroras behave the way they do. The aurora's light show starts with our sun. The sun might look like a steady, consistent light to us, but it's actually pretty turbulent. The sun sometimes emits intense bursts of radiation, called solar flares. And it can also suddenly release hot plasma in the form of coronal mass ejections. These emissions sometimes head toward Earth, where they interact with the magnetic field and atmosphere to cause geomagnetic storms. When these super-energized particles hit the nitrogen and oxygen atoms in our upper atmosphere, they kick them into an excited state. Then, these atoms emit light at certain frequencies as they return to their ground state. We recognize this as the light of the aurora. So, that explains the lights, but not the unique behavior of the aurora. Most of the time, auroras have an intricate shape that looks like moving curtains of light. 
These are called auroral arcs. The auroral arcs have long been a mystery, but new research from a U.S. team has recreated this phenomenon in the lab. It all has to do with something called alfin waves. No, not elfin. This has nothing to do with the Lord of the Rings. Alfin waves are a kind of low-frequency plasma wave. They're sometimes produced during a geomagnetic storm. In the case of the aurora, alfin waves accelerate electrons to a blistering 12,500 miles per second, or 20,000 kilometers per second. It's just like surfing. The electrons ride the wave and move faster and faster thanks to the wave's energy. When the electrons hit our atmosphere, that's where the magic happens. They collide with our atmosphere in distinct sheet-like patterns, which creates the familiar auroral arc. The experiment replicated this phenomenon using the large plasma device at UCLA. The researchers created alfin waves and measured their acceleration of electrons. This acceleration matched the expected behavior of the electrons that cause the auroral arcs. That means that we're closer to understanding what creates auroras. But even once their mystery is solved, their beauty will remain. When you see cats in popular culture, they're often lapping up a saucer of milk. Well, these depictions might tempt you into treating your own cat to some dairy goodness, but you should resist. And that's because just like us, cats can be lactose intolerant. To understand how both humans and cats can become lactose intolerant, I've got to give a quick lesson on lactose and lactase. When mammals are born, their bodies produce an enzyme called lactase that helps them digest lactose, which is the main sugar in their mother's milk. Kittens are like many other mammals, including many humans, because they slow down their production of lactase as they age. And that means that dairy can wreak havoc on an adult cat's digestive system. When a kitten or human baby drinks milk, lactase in their small intestine turns lactose into two simple sugars, glucose and galactose, and the bodies absorb those sugars into their bloodstream. But when a lactose intolerant cat or human drinks milk, the undigested lactose moves into the colon instead of being broken down and absorbed. And that leaves bacteria in the colon to break that lactose down and produce a bunch of gases in return. And that also makes more liquid move into the large intestine, which results in bloating, flatulence, and diarrhea, whether you're a cat or a person. But if cats are so intolerant of milk, then where'd that stereotype come from? Well, the milk we buy today is a whole lot different from the milk you might find on a farm straight from the cow. That milk is full of fat. Not only is fat the milk ingredient that cats are really attracted to, but fat also helps to slow down digestion and give the lactose time to break down. That means fewer unpleasant symptoms. Even whole milk from the supermarket contains a lot less fat than it does straight from the source. So all your kitty gets out of it is an upset stomach. Now, if you find that Mr. Fluffy is lactose intolerant, don't fret. While the symptoms might be alarming, it's very normal. Instead of milk, just provide your kitty with plenty of water and a diet that's high in protein. They're obligate carnivores, which means they have to rely on animal tissue to meet their nutritional needs. And hey, 
That's just more milk for you. All right, well, let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Starting with the fact that having a song stuck in your head may actually help you solidify long-term memories. When people listened to catchy songs while they watched movie clips, they were able to perfectly recall details from those movie clips a week later as long as the same song was playing. Even cooler, they were also able to remember exactly what they were doing when that song popped in their heads later. Pro tip for getting a song unstuck from your head, memorize the ending. Right. I just learned that little trick, you know, play the ending in your head consciously and then song's over. A really, really long time ago in early curiosity times, I wrote a tiny little article about a study they did where they found that chewing gum can also help get an earworm out of your head. And that's because you're sort of like when you hear a song in your head, you kind of unconsciously sing along to it silently using your mouth and throat. And so if you chew gum, you're disrupting that process and it makes it less likely for the song to be stuck in your head. Really weird. Wow. Come for the memory hacks. Stay for the get the annoying song stuck out of your head hacks. Yeah. Who needs memory? Get that thing out of your head. (laughs) No, don't do that. (laughs) We also learned that scientists have the first experimental evidence for why auroras behave the way they do. When solar flares and coronal mass ejections head from the sun into our planet, they interact with our atmosphere in the form of geomagnetic storms. And these storms can produce what are called alphan waves, which can accelerate electrons to blistering speeds and cause them to collide with our atmosphere in sheet-like patterns. And that's why the aurora looks like moving curtains of light. Now, I've never seen an aurora myself, which I feel like is something really missing from my life, and I need to do that someday. But it's interesting that when looking at the aurora with the naked eye, humans who have seen it often see it as white and sometimes just confuse it for clouds. And that's apparently because of the two different kinds of photoreceptors in our eyes. There are rods and there are cones. Because the aurora is usually out in low-light conditions, like at night, only our rods can perceive the aurora, which means that we have trouble seeing the colors of it. It's just too faint for our color-sensing cones to detect it. But our cameras don't have that trouble, which is why a lot of photographers have been really pleasantly surprised with the colorful display of the aurora that's captured on their cameras, even when all they saw was white. Kind of cool. Got it. So if you've seen a lot of really vivid, brilliant, bright, colorful pictures of auroras in photography, maybe don't have too much FOMO because your eye, your naked eye, may not necessarily be able to pick up that vivid spectrum. I know. I'm a little disappointed by this fact, but I still really want to see one. (laughs) Well, it's like photographs of the night sky in like a dark sky park. I mean, you see a zillion stars and I've been to some pretty dark, isolated places and I look up and I'm like, that's not that's not what that looks like. It's it's cooler. Like I've seen more stars than I see in Chicago, but like, you know, it's not like a zillion dots. Right. Because they have that long exposure. But you have seen the Milky Way before, right? Uh, it's a band of stars, just like a stripe across the middle of the sky. No. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I just <laughs> the first time I saw it was not that long ago. Like it's it was probably 10 years ago and I didn't know that it was a thing. I didn't know that you could see the Milky Way. What does that even mean? No, you see the edge of it. You see it's a stripe of stars. It's so cool. Fewer and fewer people 
in the world are able to see it because of light pollution. But if you get to a dark enough place, you can see it. And it is incredible. Noted. And we learned that despite the stereotype, most cats really can't drink milk. Cats stop producing the enzyme they need to digest milk once they're weaned. So milk can give them an upset stomach, you know, and that's just for starters. There are many other terrible symptoms. The legend probably got started back when milk came straight from the cow and it was full of fat, since cats love fat, for one thing, and fat slows digestion to give dairy a better chance of being broken down for another. So instead of milk, you might just want to give your kitty water and high-protein food instead. This is terrible news for poor Sir Ian McKellen. Why is that? If you haven't seen the hit cinematic achievement masterpiece, Cats. Oh, jeez. I walked into it. Oh, gosh. You don't remember that Sir Ian McKellen was in Cats? I didn't see Cats. I didn't see Cats. I still haven't seen Cats. Oh, boy. You are missing out. Let's just say it involves a giant saucer full of milk. Sir Ian McKellen and his tongue lapping it up. And it was a mistake. I feel uncomfortable just thinking about that. You feel uncomfortable. Try watching it on the big screen. Oh, jeez. Oh, my. Nightmare fuel. Poor Sir Ian McKellen. (laughs) Today's writers were Cameron Duke, Brianna Brownell, and Anna Todd. Our managing editor is Ashley Hemer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Memorize the end of this podcast if you have it stuck in your head. Here's how it goes. Ahem. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.